There on the internet, I am Matthew Galt, and this, this is Cyber. Today, we're doing another deep dive into the salacious world of ticket scalpers. Show me, show me, show me how you do that trick. The one that guarantees I can get tickets to The Cure's newest tour. If you're just a fan, you probably can't. Not without interacting with the secondary market, that is. Now, we've talked about this nightmare that uh, that is live ticket concert prices before, and how Ticketmaster enables them and tries to fight against it. Now there's a new twist. Ticketmaster has tried to crack down on the practice of selling tickets, and in response, brokers appear to be selling entire Ticketmaster accounts. With me here today to walk through this is Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler and reporter Joseph Cox. Thank you both so much for coming on to the show. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Good Cure, uh, good cure reference there. Are you a Cure fan? Uh, I'm a light Cure fan. Like, I wouldn't... Like, if someone had tickets, I would go to the show. I like listening to The Cure if it comes up on, on like, my my music playlists, but it's not something I'm, I'm like, pulling up. So I, I know the hits, and that's kind of it. Yeah. In, like, uh, 2005 or something, my, my very first concert, must have been, like, 2003, uh, was this concert called HF Festival, which was this annual festival put on by WHFS, which was the alternative station in D.C., and it was at RFK Stadium, which I don't think exists anymore. And The Cure headlined. But this lineup was absolutely insane. Hit me with was, the lineup. So on the side stage, like off on the side during like first bands playing, it was Taking Back Sunday, Fall Out Boy, Jimmy World, The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, uh, Lit, and, these, and like Yellow Card or something. And then on the main stage was Jay-Z, The Offspring, The Cure. Um, Yellow Card actually did play the main stage. And then just like various other new metal and, you know, early 2000s all-stars. And it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And I thought that every concert I would ever go to after that would be like this. And I think the tickets were like 30 bucks or something. And that's not the case. I remember I fell asleep during The Cure. Oh, that's sad. But I mean, I remember that like 1990s to mid aughts wild run where you had the the kind of the Lollapalooza model where you'd have these amazing mega concerts with all these different people. Times have changed. Times have changed. Joseph, are you here because uh, The Cure is from the United Kingdom like you? I could not name a single The Cure song. I have no idea. I I have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was your first concert? Oh God, I don't know. Something like the Black Keys or something like that. Years and years and years ago. Uh, but no, I, I'm disgustingly ignorant when it comes to the Cure and basically all the bands you just said. But you know, I'm well acquainted with them now, especially after some of the tweets we'll get into. I imagine later if we bring that up. Oh, I'm getting to tweets. We're always getting to tweets on Cyber. <laughs> Uh, my first cut live concert is a much sadder story. Parents took me to a Jimmy Buffett, Buffy, a Jimmy Buffett concert when I was like 12. <laughs> What's wrong with that? That's great. Are your parents parrot heads? My dad is a parrot head. Yes. Yeah. Love you it. Know, do you know Jimmy Buffett, Joseph? No. He's <laughs> in paradise. <laughs> we could do, no. we could do like a whole episode investigating, uh, Jimmy Buffett parrot heads in the culture that has been born of like he's running retirement communities in Florida now, like these weird ersatz, like Key West. Uh, Margaritaville. Yeah, Margaritaville. You know, Margaritaville, literally. Joseph. That, that I have heard of. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, now, now I have some expertise. There yeah. All right. Let's, let's get into what we're actually here to talk about today. <laughs> Two hours of parrot head talk, parrot chat. Yeah, what's your what's your favorite Jimmy Buffett lyric? No, um, let's not do that. God no, I had enough of it when I was twelve. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, so we've talked about Ticketmaster on the show before. Uh, ticket prices—they're out of control. 
Swifties couldn't get good tickets. Uh, the whole thing's falling apart, it seems. Uh, and The Cure decided to strike back in some way. Like, what happened? How did The Cure get involved? Why is The Cure the center of this ticket drama? Yeah, so for people who are still with us who were not turned off by that concert chat, this episode is actually going to be be about hacking and underground markets and things like that, so stick around. But basically, the last, I don't know, three, four months, there have been a series of what I would describe as Ticketmaster fiascos. Uh, I think the first one worth mentioning was Blink-182, which we did an episode on, and we talked about dynamic pricing, where the prices people were paying were just sort of like all over the place based on algorithms, and people were really upset that uh, you know a floor seat to... Uh, Blink-182 was going to cost them like $250 or more. Followed soon after by Taylor Swift and the Eras Tour, which was sort of this holy grail event where you have millions and millions and millions of Swifties who want to see Taylor Swift and a limited number of seats and very few people were able to actually get tickets, which made everyone really upset. Uh, scalpers were involved, of course, and so people were upset about the outrageous prices that people were paying on the secondary market. And this spurred like congressional investigation, and there's talk of like Amy Klobuchar doing some sort of you know anti-scalper legislation. The, the specifics of which are still a little unclear. And then Beyonce announced that she was doing a tour, and that was kind of like Taylor Swift all over again, but a little bit less intense because I don't know the first time stuff like this happens people get really mad and that brings us to last week where the cure for Joseph who's not uh, initiated they are a band that was very popular in the 70s and 80s still very popular Uh, I believe you'd call them a new wave band but please if that if that's wrong I'm very sorry not not much of a fan I do know that the hits uh, and their front man is this guy named Robert Smith, who types in all caps on Twitter. Um, that's I know that. I know, I yeah. know that and, now. Yes. And he also uh, wears a lot of eye black, like sort of made that um, made that popular. I would say like famed for making goth slash emo aesthetic popular uh, for many, many millions of sad high schoolers and middle schoolers. But this, but it's and, funny. The music isn't that sad. Right? It's not. It's, it's very not. upbeat and happy, uh, but he always had the sad clown aesthetic uh, that's, right. I would say, not aging well. But So he announces the first North American tour for The Cure since like 2016 or something like that. And in an Instagram post, he's like, I'm going to war with the scalpers. So I'm doing a couple things to prevent scalpers from buying tickets. The first thing I'm doing is we're going to use Ticketmaster's verified fan program which is this program where people who are quote-unquote verified fans like real people are given a proprietary single-use password to buy tickets which i say single-use because pre-sales are a normal thing in the ticketing world where like the like a normal pre-sale would be like use password cure uh, on Ticketmaster, and you can get early access to buy things. These are single-use passwords. Um, it's just a string of random characters, and they're emailed to people who pre-register with Ticketmaster. And on Ticketmaster's website, they say uh, this is designed to prevent bots and scalpers from buying tickets, and they are going to give these passwords only to verified fans, meaning real people who want to go see the concerts. So that's the first thing that they're going to do. The second thing the cure says that they're going to do is they are going to make the tickets non-transferable, meaning no one can sell them like in theory. And then in the Instagram post, they're like, we can't do this in Illinois, New York or Colorado because these states have these laws that make it illegal for us to sell non-transferable tickets. But we encourage people not to buy from scalping sites We want fans to get these tickets. And then the final thing they did is the tickets were really cheap. The tickets were supposed to be like $20 each if you're using this verified fan presale, which is cheap. Like $20 for a ticket is like $19.95 prices or something. 
So the tickets go on sale and people are really pissed off because they are buying these $20 tickets and they're seeing that there's like, in some cases, $24, $25 worth of Ticketmaster fees per ticket. And that starts a whole new conversation about like Ticketmaster and Live Nation and fees and monopolies and like, fuck Ticketmaster, we're really mad. Um, which is not really what this episode is about, but uh, like, that's why people were talking about this. It's all important background information, I think. Yeah. Because like so, the you have to have a for, for people to be doing what they end up doing, the brokers, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of market forces that have to come to bear to force people to 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 do the wild stuff we're about to be talking about, right? Yeah. And so we talked about this on a previous episode, but the reasons why ticket scalping is profitable is they are basically taking an underpriced asset, buying it at that underpriced, like that low price, and then they are selling them the tickets on a secondary market for a lot higher price. Like that is the fundamental economics that are at work here. And by pricing these tickets at $20 each, the cure was purposefully underpricing their tickets, meaning the margin that the average scalper could get would be a lot higher. Like if the cure was like, Hey, we're going to price all of these tickets at like $75 or a hundred dollars or whatever, Brokers probably wouldn't have bought these tickets. They wouldn't have been that interested in them. The reason that this became like a scalping bonanza is because brokers are like, wow, I can buy a bunch of tickets for $20 and then resell them for, I don't know, 60, 80, a hundred, like sometimes more than that. And so like, I think it's very laudable what Robert Smith is trying to do and prevent uh, scalpers from buying the tickets. But in pricing them low, he sort of created this bonanza where people were trying to buy the tickets. Yeah, was I mean, it, even when you're trying to serve the fans, you end up creating these other situations where these scalpers aren't going to stop, right? And if anything, this creates just another opportunity for them. It was definitely a situation where the best of intentions uh, led to disaster. I would say, right? Yeah. And so that's what Joseph and my article was about, was verified fan and about the non-transferability of these tickets. And I know I just talked for a long time. It's Joseph's time to talk. So, um, well, but, but basically it's like our article is about how scalpers bypassed both of these things and have created a situation that's like way worse than... Tell us, tell us a little bit more about what exactly it means to be, in the eyes of Ticketmaster, a verified fan. Uh, so, Joseph, I think you can take this. Well, if you're a verified fan, you are supposed to be able to get the tickets more easily, right? If you have a very fresh account, you're going to look suspicious. Uh, you you haven't got a phone number linked to it, you haven't bought tickets before. This is the sort of thing that Ticketmaster or other sites are going to be looking for in, in all other sorts of stuff where you might be uh, using other accounts on, on different sites. The idea is that, well, a scalper didn't just whip up this account, this is a real person buying it. And what comes through all of this and what we found is that ultimately... The scalpers have moved from not just selling tickets, they're now selling Ticketmaster accounts. You can go and buy these verified accounts, these aged accounts, as some people called them, and that is the workaround. And that can that can work in like multiple different ways, but very generally, the one way will be like, well, I want to buy the account, and then I want to go get the ticket. But I think more uh more specifically and what more people are going to be doing especially the scalpers is that they will be selling the ultimate buyer of the ticket the account as well so you don't just get a little pdf with a ticket or whatever you get an account you log in and you have to have the account and the ticket as one thing because technically a transfer hasn't happened then you've just logged into the same account which had the actual ticket and to be clear, like having a verified account does not guarantee getting a cure ticket or a Taylor Swift ticket. No, it doesn't. And so basically 
pre-registering for verified fan means that you're going before the tickets are on sale and you're typing in your Ticketmaster account and you're saying, I want to buy tickets for this concert. And then presumably, like Ticketmaster is not upfront about specifically how this works. But as Joseph said, it's like people believe, scalpers believe, fans also believe this that a brand new account is not going to be selected in this lottery to get a pre-sale code because it's like someone just like anyone could have just made this. Like they don't have a history of being a fan of this band. They don't have a history of even going to concerts at all. Like we don't know who this could just be a random bot or whatever. And the other people that it's supposed to filter out and we don't know how well it filters this out is it supposed to filter out a Ticketmaster accounts that have a history of broker-like behavior, which means, in my opinion, I don't know, but this is what I suspect. This is what I would do if I were Ticketmaster. It's filtering out accounts that have bought dozens and dozens and dozens of tickets for the same, for like a variety of different bands all over the country. And so I've had people speculate to me that like, other things that might go into it is like, do you have a verified phone number? And is that verified phone number, does it have an area code in the city where the concert is taking place? Like I'm from Maryland. They're playing Meriwether post pavilion, which is in Columbia, Maryland. My phone number starts with three Oh one, which is a Maryland area code. It's like, if I were to register for that show, that history, I have a history of going to concerts at Meriwether Post Pavilion as well. And so presumably I would have a better chance of getting a pre-sale password for the Meriwether Post Pavilion show than I would for one in Chicago or one in Texas, because I don't have a history of, I don't have a phone number associated with Texas. I don't have a history of going to shows in Texas. It's like, there's no reason that I should be buying tickets for the cure in Texas when Ticketmaster thinks I live in Maryland because of all of this other stuff. And so, I mean, that's just speculation, but that's, that's sort of like how we think the lottery works. And then yes, if you're selected for the lottery, you get a pre-sale password and then you can use that to buy the tickets. But for like Taylor Swift, for example, there were far more verified fans who got verified by Ticketmaster who got codes than there were tickets available. So there were, many, many millions of t- of Taylor Swift fans who got codes but were still unable to buy. Yeah, that was kind of fascinating. You, you linked to this thread in your piece that we've got pulled up right now of the Taylor Swift fans kind of gathering together and trying to reverse engineer what would make them palatable in the algorithm. Uh, like that is the state of people trying to get concert tickets right now, trying to figure out how to get a robot to notice you. Yeah, this is super, like, it's unscientific, but also pretty, like, advanced. Like, they have an entire Google Sheets spreadsheet where they have done a survey and they have asked, like, are you a member of Taylor Swift's fan club? Have you been to previous Taylor Swift concerts? Did you get a code? And then they sort of did this statistical analysis. And seemingly, like, I think what they found supports what I just said, where people who are members of Taylor Swift fan club who have been to previous Taylor Swift shows who live in the area that uh, the shows were in were more likely to get passwords than someone who had just registered an account and selected a random show to try to get tickets for. Um, But I do think that brings us to basically why it would be advantageous for a ticket master broker for a broker to have multiple accounts. Yeah, absolutely. And it also seems like <laughs> because of the world we've built, um, the accounts themselves could end up being long-term more valuable than the tickets. If you play your cards, right? Yeah. I, th- I mean, in some cases, yes, it's like we found a lot of different services in addition to just, uh, sort of hacking forums that Joseph can talk about where we've seen like either hacked or stolen or somehow acquired, uh, you know, accounts being sold with no sort of like 
no, no like official background, but then we also saw websites where it's like you can buy specific accounts from us that were formed in a specific year that have a specific buying history, uh, presumably because those accounts are more valuable and harder to come by. And then we also found this company that says that they want to do this ethically in some way where they connect fans to brokers and basically, I mean, I don't know specifically how it works because we haven't spoken to this company yet. Um, but basically, it's like if you want to buy uh, an account from a specific person in Maryland, you can, that company will find someone who wants to sell their account, compensate them for it, and then they'll serve as like a matchmaker or middleman, take a fee and give you the login credentials so that you might have a better chance of being able to buy the tickets. I'm going to, I'm going to read this for people that are listening after the stream. Uh, I've got the, the screenshot from an advertisement pulled up from one of these hacking forums. Take your queue positions to the next level with authentic, real fan accounts, TM accounts from fan to broker, ethically sourced, aged and verified. Uh, I, I just want to be clear there. This one is not hacking this like specific. That's, that's why it's ethically sourced. This right. Is, fair. This is a company that says it's on the up and up. But we're also seeing this on hacking forums. The yeah, same. I apologize. You're right. No, it, it's all good. I just wanted to be clear about that. Yeah, I mean, and, and on the hacking forums. So yes, on on the one side, you have these quote unquote more legitimate companies trying to do something in this space. You know, maybe you call it a gray market, something like that. Then you have the much more clear black market. You know, Jason basically asked me, just please go and search and see if you can find Ticketmaster accounts for sale. And honestly, I was like, okay, I mean, maybe, sure, I'm on hacking forums all the time. I guess I'll have a look. Found them immediately. Uh, I was a bit surprised, to be honest. And these were these are the same sorts of forums that we go on every single day to find data breaches. One of them that we named is the forum Breached. This is where tons of data dumps have been over the past few years. Breach actually shut down this week after his administrator was arrested. Uh, it's alleged administrator was arrested in New York by the FBI. Uh, another admin took over. Um, there was a bit of drama around that. And then they eventually said, look, I'm not bringing the forum back. Uh, too much effort, too much, it's too dangerous. This is all being announced in the, the breach telegram group. Uh, so now they have to find other arrangements. But it just goes to show that you may have these companies that are trying to make it more legitimate. And then you have posts on straight up hacking forums. And there's another one, uh, another forum as well that I went on. You know, I actually reached out to one of the sellers as well. They were advertising it for, well, some were advertising for, you know, 10 bucks per aged account. And then you're expected to buy it in batches of 50, 100, a few hundred, you know, you're not buying one account because this is scalping, it's brokering, you're doing it at scale. That's the entire point of this business, right? Right. And I do read, and I did reach out to one of the sellers who called themselves Jackie on, on Telegram, and they clarified, yes, you know, I sell aged accounts, uh, I sell them, they're particularly good for brokers. And then, I mean, the key question for me that we didn't get clear answer on but i'm pretty sure we know these are hacked and i'll explain why in a second i'm asking them, well how do you get these aged accounts in the first place you know because you could uh, uh, like make them years ago and then you sit on your stockpile and you sell them later or you're breaking into accounts right and the seller called jackie said don't ask me that please which is obviously pretty telling and just to to finish that thought about them potentially being hacked some of these accounts Elsewhere on the hacking forum, you see people selling uh, guides for how to monetize these sorts of accounts. They're always pretty sketchy. But then most importantly, you see somebody selling a config or you know, a configuration file. And this is a, a basically some settings for brute forcing software, which will churn through email addresses, username, passwords. And the reason you need a convig is obviously because every single website in the world is different, right? You need to look for the password box 
on the Ticketmaster website, and that's what the Convig is for. So when you see people selling Ticketmaster accounts, and then on the same forum, they're also selling the tool to hack into Ticketmaster accounts. I mean, look, we can't necessarily say that this listing is definitely, but I mean, this is obviously part of the the ecosystem here. You may have these companies just saying they're trying to ethically source them, but it's pretty damn likely others are compromising accounts, potentially through, you know, reuse passwords, that sort of thing. I want to, I want to elaborate on that a little bit because Joseph is absolutely right. Like there's, it is likely that many of these accounts are hacked that are, that are for sale on hacking forums. Um, but after we published this article, I had three or four different ticker ticket brokers reach out to me. And I mean, it's funny because it's like, this happens every time I write about ticket scalping ticket scalpers reach out to me and they're like, you got the story right. That's definitely how it works. But like, I don't do that. I do something different. And then they'll tell me what they do. And after we published this article, people reached out to me and they were like, oh, that's a shady part of the ticket scalping business. We want nothing to do with that. Like people are buying accounts, but I actually just have 50 Ticketmaster accounts that I've accumulated over the course of the years. And I don't need to buy these because I'm so established in the industry that I have already created an account for each state or, you know, dozens of accounts for each state associated with dozens of different credit cards that I've opened up over the years or my business has opened up over the years. Um, and so they're like, there are definitely people in the industry who are buying hacked Ticketmaster accounts, but like we don't associate with those people. And I think that's interesting because that's something that ticket scalpers have said over the course of many years and the reason that i hesitate there is because ticket scalpers very rarely call themselves ticket scalpers they almost always call themselves ticket brokers um, because they're providing a service is sort of the argument and it's not illegal to be a ticket broker uh if you do sort of the if you take the proper steps like they'll be like i pay my taxes i'm an incorporated business i bought all these tickets legally i sold all these tickets legally and that is the case like if you go to yankee stadium and you walk around outside yankee stadium there are like brick and mortar ticket scalping businesses in front of yankee stadium in new york and it's like same deal in chicago same deal at at some like other major i'm i'm sure around like football stadiums as well and it's like some of these are really big businesses with tons of employees that you know don't need to buy these sorts of services. But what Joseph found and what I found is that maybe if you're new getting into the business, you're buying these accounts. Like it it can give you a boost if you're getting started. And uh, I'd say that just because it's like this industry runs the gamut from like totally on the up and up, but maybe morally a little wrong where it's like, Oh, you're making money where you shouldn't be to like straight up criminal. And I feel comfortable saying straight up criminal because there have been big ticket scalping operations that have been like people have been arrested, raided by the FBI. Like they obtain the tickets in a super sketchy way by hacking Ticketmaster in some way or, or so on and so forth. And so I think it's interesting that it just sort of runs again from like legitimate business, pay my taxes to like people can do this from anywhere in the world. They don't necessarily need to follow any laws. They don't necessarily follow all the laws. And then Oftentimes when the tickets are actually sold, they're sold in a sort of like gray area as well. All right there, cyber listeners. We're going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, cyber listeners, welcome back. Have you seen uh, Robert Smith responding to the article on Twitter? I did see it. I was really uh, happy that he he saw and read the article and tweeted in all caps as he tends to do. 
He, uh, you know, um, I get a, I get a fact check you here. Uh, cause if you look, he actually stops tweeting in all caps, uh, in his last two responses to you. Um, I, I was, I was confused whether he was happy about the article or not happy or mad at us or mad at Ticketmaster. And then I think we landed on the conclusion that he was grateful for the information that was included in the piece. That seems to be my read now. Yes. And I'm happy that we could inform the public. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's kind of my takeaway from it. I did want to ask, in his last tweet, he says... He does seem armed with information now. Yes. So that he can make yes. better decisions in the future. Yeah. Quote, that's what we do. Don't buy on scalper sites like Vivid and Ticket and Ticket Network where they are selling accounts. If you need a ticket, Ticketmaster's face value exchange will be available shortly. What is Ticketmaster's face value exchange? Ticketmaster's face value exchange is a fantasy land where people take <laughs> the, where people have a super valuable asset that they can make a ton of money selling, and out of the kindness and goodness of their heart, they go on Ticketmaster's uh, secondary market website where uh, Robert Smith has kindly asked Ticketmaster to set a price cap on how much these tickets can be sold and you basically sell it for face value, make no money. Ticketmaster makes more money because they charge more fees and uh, a lovely Cure fan gets their ticket at face right, face value price. I mean, I think, I think diehard Cure fans who have a death in the family or get sick or a vacation and somehow can't go to the concert that they bought tickets for will do this. I do not think that very many people are going to do this. Like, I think the supply on this website is going to be extremely low. Now, I, I, you are much more immersed in this story than I am. I seem to remember the last time we talked about this. Wasn't Ticketmaster kind of running its own secondary market? So Ticketmaster's exchange is a secondary market, and usually you can set whatever price you want. Um, sometimes the artists do place limits on it, but it's not always like face value. Uh, sometimes it's like you can make double face value or sometimes there's no limit at all. It's just in this case, Robert Smith has said, I want the limit to be face value. And so it is, it's technically the secondary market, but it's more of a like, Hey, I can't go. So I'm trying to give my tickets away and I just want to make my money back. Um, but Ticketmaster is involved in the secondary ticket market, and that's been very controversial for a variety of reasons that we can talk about now or or later and have talked about already in previous episodes. So I, I leave it to you, our, our dear host, whether we want to go down this wormhole or, or not. Oh, man. Yeah, I do. I do. I know you're I know you're tired of that's talking fine. today. No, I'm not tired. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be here. But yeah, tell okay, me. So, yeah, yeah, walk me through this again. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to I'm ticket broker who wants to sell tickets for the cure. I have bought accounts, or I have enough accounts, and I have put my little trench coat on and painted my face in goth to convince Ticketmaster's algorithm that I'm a verified fan. They're like, okay, you're a verified fan. Here's your password. I buy the tickets. I'm now ready to sell them and I'm unable to sell them for more than face value on Ticketmaster's exchange. So I'm like, Oh no, where am I going to sell my tickets? These tickets are non-transferable. What am I going to do now? The thing that I'm going to do now is I am going to do what's known as an account surrender sale, which is where I take my, Ticketmaster account that I just bought and doesn't have any other tickets in it except for these cure tickets. I'm going to list that account for sale and I'm going to sell the login details to that account. And so like in explaining the story before we did it, it's like there's two things happening here. People are buying, buying and selling Ticketmaster accounts in order to acquire the tickets, but then they're also selling the accounts with the tickets in them at a jacked up price to get around this uh, rule that says you can't transfer these tickets because technically I am not transferring the tickets. I'm simply selling my account at a price that I have chosen with a buyer. 
Um, now, the interesting thing is, if I'm just a random schmuck, I can't really do this very easily. Um, this is because selling accounts is against Ticketmaster's terms of service, uh, which doesn't mean it's illegal necessarily. Um, but it is like it's frowned upon by Ticketmaster. And so there's a variety of different places I can sell the account. It's like I can convince them on Craigslist that this like incredibly elaborate system I have set up is, is going to work. Like I can sell you my, I can basically sell you my email and password on Craigslist and you Venmo me or something. I can do it on Facebook marketplace, which I've seen. Uh, I don't think you can do it on eBay. You cannot do it on StubHub. Like StubHub is not allowing people to sell tickets for these shows, except for in New York, Colorado, and Illinois, where it's, you, you know, your God-given right to sell tickets at above face value is enshrined in law. Right. The rights of the ticket holder are protected above all else, right? Anyone can do whatever they want with a ticket that they've purchased in those three states. There are literal laws. And those laws were lobbied for by StubHub and like various uh, ticket brokers. And like for reasons we can get into in a minute, I think they're probably pretty good laws, but people should know that they were pushed for by ticket brokers. Anyways, so I just need to do my little account surrender. Like, where am I going to do it? And the place that people are doing it is on this website called Vivid Seats, which is a massive StubHub like website. Um, but like Vivid Seats is letting brokers do this, but they have to be verified by Vivid Seats in order to do this. Like I tried to make an account this morning and go on Vivid Seats and sell tickets to a show in Arizona or something or Texas. And uh, it said like, because of the terms of this show, you can't sell tickets. And I'm like, okay, you have hundreds of tickets for these shows for sale. Like, why can't I sell tickets? And it's, it's like, no, you can't sell tickets. It's like, if you are a verified seller, if you're like part of their large seller, like, like if you do a lot of business with vivid seats, if you are a big time ticket broker, they will let you sell tickets. And I was talking to a ticket broker on the phone yesterday after this article came out, I was like, how exactly does this work? Like if you're selling tickets for the cure, how does this work? Uh, and he says it's called account surrender you can do it on vivid seats, but you need to sort of like do a certain level of volume. And then when you sell the tickets, it's like you give the user the login information and then they get, they log into your account and then, or what was previously your account. And then they are able to add it to their Apple wallet or their Android wallet. And then that, then the tickets are like theirs. Like it, you've transferred the ticket. You've gotten around Robert Smith's rules. You did it. Poor Robert Smith. I just feel bad. But even then, like pres presumably, like if so, you, you, you surrender the account and then you're logging in, I mean, the place where you're logging in, be it Ticketmaster or somewhere else, they could detect that. They see a, another IP address and they jump up across the country or something. They could, it seems, do more to stop this sort of thing. And as you said, like it is against their terms of service. So, there is definitely as as sophisticated these scalpers are, Ticketmaster, it seems, is not doing a free could to enforce it. I I think that's right. There's other ways that this can be done too. There's so many different ways. And, right. and that's why it's right. like it's really hard to stop. Um and it depends. It's like how much do you hate scalpers? How badly do you want to stop them? Because I also heard and this guy said that he's done it and I know that it works because I've seen it. I've seen people talking about it before where rather than sending someone your email and password, you meet them at the venue before the show, you take their phone, you log them into the account, uh, you put the tickets in their wallet and then they take their account back. Like the scalper will take the account back like log out of the account and then they'll change the password. And so it's like, they're not even really selling their account. They're just like logging in to their own account on someone else's phone, downloading the tickets, giving them, giving that person their phone back. 
and then taking their account back. And so they're not even like really selling the account. They're basically right. like log they're just logging into their own account on someone else's phone. And so it's mm-hmm. like they're it's like insane because it's like this loophole. And then if you want to go even a step further than that, you can let's say you are selling four tickets. You can sell three tickets and one of the tickets is for yourself and they do what's called a walk-in where you meet the person at the show. I've done this, by the way. I've done this one. Not super proud of it, but I've done it. You meet the person at the show. You're like, these are my three buds. You hold your phone. You log in. or I mean, you like scan into the venue. Those other three people walk in with you. They're like, here, these are my three friends. And then the ticket scalper just leaves or they stay if they want. Or you stay with them and they become your best friend and you have an amazing show with them. You're like, oh, yeah, that's my friend. You get invited to their wedding. Yeah. (laughs) It starts sounding beautiful, you know? How'd you meet Jason? Oh, he scalped us into (laughs) Blink-182. I did did this for Radiohead in D.C. one time with Will Call Only tickets. I hated Radiohead. I didn't want to see Radiohead. I bought Radiohead tickets for me and my ex-girlfriend. And they were really expensive and I was like, they were selling for a huge amount of money on StubHub. And I was like, I don't want to go to this concert, but I also don't want to lose all my money. I just, this is whatever. So I sold, I think I sold one ticket on StubHub for like $400, which is how much both of the tickets cost. And I was like, I'll meet you at the show, man. Like I'll meet you up. I'll meet you before the show met this person got my tickets, walked in, and I left. I did not watch Radiohead. I didn't care. I didn't want to see them. Are things this wild in the three states where you can just resell your tickets? Great question. (laughs) Great, great question. So the Curious Touring Arenas uh, and like pavilions. So in New York City, they're playing Madison Square Garden most famous concert venue in the country. Typically in my experience reporting on ticket scalping and being a ticket scalper in college, uh, which I've talked about before that is like a one, like when a band announces a tour, they're like, we're playing Madison square garden. Like every scalper circles that date. And they're like, we're going for this show because there's more people in New York. There's just like zillions of people in New York and Madison square garden is the same size as every other arena. It's not that like, like they're playing the same sized venue in, you know, Iowa or something that they'd play in New York. So it's just like, there's more people, there's more cure fans in New York than there are in other places because there's more people in New York. So usually the resale prices are highest in New York. Like not always, but usually they are uh, for like normal show for the cure though. The ticket prices in New York are the lowest. It's like $55 on StubHub because there's a shitload of tickets on the secondary market. It's like every broker circled that date, bunch of brokers bought the tickets and now they can't make any money off of them because like, no offense to anyone, any Cure fan or Robert Smith or anything. The Cure is not that popular. Like the Cure is not Taylor Swift. Like they're mm. playing three shows at Madison Square Garden. That is like sixty thousand tickets over three days. It's like the the tickets were not actually that hard to get. The Cure is not that hot of a ticket. The reason that the Cure became such a hot ticket was because he charged twenty dollars a ticket. And people want to see the cure $20 bad, but if he priced the tickets at $60 or $80 or $100, fewer and fewer people want to see the tickets. It's like there's less money to be made, fewer scalpers buy the tickets. It's like everyone pays a little bit more, but ultimately it's not going to be that hard to get. Now compare this to the Hollywood Bowl, which is in LA, cannot sell tickets on StubHub there. Buying tickets super hard, selling tickets, you have to do account surrender. It's really tough. It's like, you know, there's not that many tickets on the secondary market. The cheapest tickets on the secondary, those shows are also sold out, by the way. So there's like enough people who want to see the show that the show's sold out. So if I missed out, I'm a Cure fan. I still have to go buy those tickets somewhere. Like, I'm not missing this. I love Boys Don't Cry. Like, I need to hear it. So if I want to go see 
the cure at the Hollywood Bowl, the cheapest tickets I can buy are $250. And it's like, it's not really working. Like the, the steps that they've taken are not working because they've made it so difficult to get tickets that the scalpers can still get the tickets. But it's like, there's so many hoops to jump through. So there's fewer on the, like there's fewer on the market and then the price is way higher. It sounds like the transferable thing has been the real sticking point for fans where it sounds like on the face of it, well, if we can't transfer the tickets, scalpers can't transfer the tickets. That's great. There's going to be no scalping where it's like, no, that is actually making it harder for normal fans. fans. Yeah. In some cases. Yeah. It seems like very counterintuitive, but that seems to be what you're saying. At least that's the evidence from the prices and the amounts of tickets on secondary markets in different States. Yeah, I think to play devil's advocate to the argument I just made is that anecdotally, a lot of like the Cure subreddit and Cure forums are like, wow, so many people I know got Cure tickets. I got Cure tickets. Like, it seems like a lot of fans were able to get tickets. It's impossible to know whether that is because of verified fan or because of this lack of transferability. Like, it's really tough to say. And the only thing I would say there, and it's like, we've talked about this before, Scalping is like, it's a problem. It's Ticketmaster is a disaster. Like there's very little transparency in the industry. Like it's, it's a tough problem to solve, but the, the, the tricky thing here is like when the cure plays those shows, who is going to be in the seats? It is not going to be a bunch of ticket scalpers and ticket brokers. It's going to be a bunch of fans it's like the fans are ultimately buying the tickets regardless of where they're buying them from. And it's like, you can say Ticketmaster, or you can say Ticketmaster scum of the earth. You can say scalpers are the scum of the earth. I hate them. Like, I don't, why, are, why is this ticket scalper getting money? Like, I don't want them to, you know, take money from me and I don't want them to take money from my favorite band. But at the end of the day, the, like if you have, enough money to buy a ticket on StubHub at a slightly inflated price. Does that make you like less of a cure fan? Like, I don't know. Not really. Like, not really. Um, at the same time, it's like, should concerts be more accessible to people who can't necessarily afford to pay scalper prices? Like absolutely 1 million percent. But it's like, it's just, the the idea that like because scalpers exist real fans aren't getting tickets is like it's not true like they're getting tickets at some point it's just at what point of the market are they getting the tickets well and it just seems like the more onerous the secondary market becomes that drives the price up right like every I, little hoop I, I and hurdle think so i mean i think so and it's also like ultimately I've said this before, but it's like the more hoops that people put in in order to buy the tickets in the first place, it's like ticket scalpers job is to buy tickets. It's their business. It's their job. It's their livelihood. I'm not saying it's a good livelihood. I'm saying it's what they do all day, every day, the same way that we talk on the podcast and write articles and edit articles and blah, blah, blah. That's what they do. They do it five hours a week or 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week. But they're doing it way more than a random Cure fan is thinking about how to buy Cure tickets and like testing it out on hundreds of events for hundreds of bands at hundreds of venues on hundreds of websites. It's like ticket scalpers are going to be better than the average fan at buying tickets every time because it's their job. It's like it's like if I play basketball against LeBron James, it's like it's LeBron James's job to play basketball is not my job to play basketball i like playing basketball if someone was like hey you want to play basketball against lebron james i would be like yes i would like to do it i'm so glad lebron james is coming to town i would i've like he's i'm gonna go try and play and i would get crushed because it's his job you you, you actually bring up an interesting you just made me think of something i don't know if we've ever talked about this on the on the show with within the bounds of Ticketmaster and stuff before does this same thing happen with sports? Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> in different ways, sort of, but yes, ticket scalping in sports, big, huge, huge, huge thing. Um, I mean, season tickets is sort of how that works. It's like people broke. It's easier in sports. 
because teams want to sell all their shitty games. It's like in basketball, the Lakers versus the Knicks or something, you know, like classic matchup Lakers versus Golden State Warriors. Like those are going to be worth a ton of money, but like Lakers versus random last place team, fewer people want to go to that. So what scalpers will do is they'll buy season tickets. They'll get tickets to every single game and then they'll sell the shitty games at a loss and make up they'll make a lot of money on the big matchups basically. And then when playoffs comes around, it's like the season ticket holders get tickets because of their packages that they have. And so they're automatically getting tickets for the playoffs, which are always like almost without fail, like where you make money and sort of same with super bowl, super bowl, same with all-star games. It's like, if you're a season ticket holder of the, team that makes the Super Bowl, it's like you're going to have a special pre-sale. You're going to have sort of the leg up in doing this. And so ticket scalpers will have season tickets to I mean, if they're big enough, they'll have season tickets to every single team. I think that covers it, right, gentlemen? I believe so. Was I as unhinged as promised? uh, You could have been more unhinged. Uh, It's good energy for streams and podcasts, though. That was lovely. Um, now I want to go listen to Boys Don't Cry, but first I'm going to take us out. Jason, Joseph, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through this. If you like the show and you want to catch it live, go to twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV or youtube.com forward slash motherboard. Uh, follow us there. You'll be notified when we go live. We appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, lots of great, uh, uh, action in the chat today. Uh, somebody started off by using Bard. Google's new AI system to compose lyrics for a Cure song making fun of Ticketmaster. Uh, but I will spare you the details because you don't want to hear me sing. Uh, especially something I haven't heard the tune for. Uh, we will be back a little bit later this week with another story about uh, uh, bizarre and horrifying things that are happening on the internet. But not about ticket prices again. Maybe not for a while. Um, unless Robert Smith tweets something in all caps that's particularly interesting. We'll see you later, guys. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.